where nobody knows your name is recorded in front of nobody. Hello and welcome to Where Nobody Knows Your Name. Almost halfway through this season, James. Episode 13, season 5, Chambers vs. Malone. Episode 13, Unlucky for Some. This episode was released on the 8th of January, 1987. This is definitely an interesting episode and we'll get into that as we go on. I think divisive might be a good word to describe it. Yes, that is indeed the word I was looking for. Written by David Angel and of course directed by James Burroughs. Where better to start than the cold open? I've mentioned it a few times, and this cold open addresses it very directly. Chiz has always been a supporter of the... Designated driver program. Yes. <laughs> it escaped my mind what it was. The uh, uh, it's no drink full drive. Uh, yeah, that, that's exactly what this cold open addresses. And normally like it'll be in passing where they offer lifts to some of the regulars in the bar to make sure they're getting home safe. This time Sam comes over and offers a round of coffee to three guys who have been drinking all night. And uh, they say, don't worry about it, Sam. This guy's the designated driver. And he goes, no, I'm not. I thought you were. And then it kind of does a pass around like that. And they realize none of them have been the designated driver. I'm not the designated driver. I thought you were. No, no, I'm, I'm not the designated driver. What about you, Mark? I'm with Sam. I think we ought to try it sometime. But then they, they accept that round of coffee in the end. Which is good. Uh, and then Carla sort of goes over to someone who's on a bar stool alone and offers him a ride home. He says, don't worry about it, I haven't been drinking. She orders a drink for herself and says, well, one of us is going to get a drive home. Yeah, double martini, I think. Yeah. Going straight in. <laughs> but she's a bit flirty. Classic Carla. And that's our cold open. I thought it was a pretty strong cold open. Nice uh, way to kick off the episode. Yes, and I like how openly they addressed the DDP as they call it on the street, <laughs> the Designated Driver Programme. That's why I couldn't remember what it's called. I'm so used to the acronym. Or acronym. Acronym. <laughs> Forget real words. <laughs> but that brings us into the main part of this episode. And we kick off with a classic entrance from Norm. Woody asks, how are you doing today, Mr. Peterson? He says, never been better, Woody, but just once I'd like to be better. Some Norm sass. Bittersweet, that one. <laughs> They get into a little bit what's been getting Norm down in the dumps. And then Cliff says the Miss Teeny Bikini Beauty pageant is on and that will cheer him up. So some of the seeds of what we'll see later in this episode is the B plot. Because, you know, they're nothing but classy in Cheers with their televisual <laughs> entertainment. However, the A plot, it's more dramatic, certainly more impactful. But they finally, I say they, Sam finally addresses how Diane's been going through the whole of this first half of this season going, you will marry me, Sam Malone. And she thinks that tonight's the night that he'll propose. Yeah, she she walks into the bar singing the, the wedding song, like humming it. She's quite cocky about it. She's very presumptuous. And yeah, we, we've talked a lot about how uh, maybe this has been dragging out a little bit long and it's getting a little bit tired. And I, th I think this is kind of where it all comes to head. So Diane says that she knows today is the day that Sam's going to propose to her. And she says that she has, has an intuition about it. That's kind of the setup. And it's, it's quite a strange one, really. Yes. Though it does prompt a great line from Woody. Do you believe in intuition? No. But I have this strange feeling that someday I will. Carla's reaction as well is quite good. I think he's, every character's reaction is pretty good. So Sam's reaction is he makes quite a few jokes about it and kind of does a few fake kind of proposals where he'll, he'll switch the line at the end. Will you serve this drink type of thing? <laughs> Carla's reaction is very superstitious. 
And she kind of says, Sam, you don't want to be messing with this kind of, you're tampering with the physics of the world here and you're going to be sorry. Pretty on edge there. But, <laughs> but Carla's very superstitious about the whole thing and believes a little bit. She's been taken into it a bit. Yes, she has exhibited superstition at times, uh, particularly with the fortune telling machine. Yeah, so it's not a surprise that she feels this way. And she tries to send Sam home on many occasions. Mm-hmm. Leave Sam before it's too late. <laughs> I suppose there's another another plot in this as well, James, which is, of course, Tom is hoping to have passed his bard exam, which has been a fairly like loose, consistent kind of thing which keeps coming back. I don't know whether it's a plot or just a running gag mm. that this uh, guy is trying to be a lawyer and keeps failing his bar exam. And they think he's going to fail it again because they essentially imply that he should look for jobs at Denny's mm. or other fast food jobs. Well, it's kind of the running joke. He seems to be the one person that Cliff feels like he can really make fun of. So that's, that's the other thing which kind of gets set up a little bit. So we've got the pageant, Sam and Diane... And we've got Tom. Which one of these plots should we dive into next? I guess the uh, teeny bikini one. Uh, I think that's probably the one which has the least impact. Yeah, so we just see the sort of patrons are all watching the TV and there's a few lines here and there between Norm, Cliff. They talk about the different misses. So there's Miss Arkansas, Miss South Dakota. And then it all seems it's all, all of this has been an elaborate setup for one single joke, which is when Cliff goes, hey, Woody, Miss Indiana? And he goes, yeah, but Boston's my home now. And that's kind of where I think that that whole thing ends. Yep. So I feel like maybe that joke was written in the writer's room and then they were like... Backtrack. Yeah. yeah. How do we get to that point? It was worth it. It was worth the setup just to get to that. If we move back into... Let's take the Sam and Diane, because I think we're going to dip in and out of these other two plots. Basically, essentially, Sam says, no way, I'm not going to propose. And kind of cuts off there. You mentioned earlier that Carl keeps trying to send Sam home. And in the end, Sam... Sends everyone else home because he needs to have a frank conversation with Diane. You say we're dipping in and out of it. There's one part where Sam says to Diane, No, Diane, before I propose to you, pigs will fly. Norm will hate beer. And then he points to Tom and Tom hangs up the phone and goes, Hey guys, I passed my bar exam. (laughs) And Sam has this shocked look on his face. So yeah, Tom has passed the bar and Sam has kind of... Closed the bar. Closed the bar, yeah. But he he asks everyone else to leave so he can have a frank conversation with Diane. Diane thinks he's going to propose and... I think well, the best thing to do would be to play the clip. You know, it, it was fun for a while, like a little game, but it's not cute anymore. It's serious, Diane. You know, I was, I was really ticked off at first when you turned me down. But now I see how smart you were. I am never going to ask you to marry me again. Can I be any more clear than this? I'm never going to ask you to marry me again. Oh no, oh no, 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 come on, no, 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 stop that. Listen, you know how much I hate it when you cry. I don't know, what did you feel about this this moment, James? I thought Sam was in the right in being as direct as he was being. I think it's somewhat predictable that Diane was going to be upset by it. But with Sam being Diane's employer, it would be unfair and immoral to keep her believing that he was going to propose. There's a there's an imbalance. Mm. So I think he certainly did the right thing with being as direct, even, let's say, blunt. But of course, Diane gets upset and uh, tugs at Sam's heartstrings. I think there's a line which is, it was fun for a while, like a little game, but it's not cued anymore. We've got pretty tired of this as well. It does feel a little bit like it echoes some of the vibes of this season. 
but it does get a little bit kind of, I don't want to say toxic, but it's not healthy, you wouldn't say. I, yes, I'd agree with that. It's not as toxic as, say, season two, where they were hitting each other and knocking down doors. <laughs> it's much more psychological. Sam lays it out there, really, and Diane starts crying, and then he kind of then proposes, and she says no, which leads to probably one of the... We've had a couple of surreal moments in Jizz, namely Norm having a nightmare about himself. This is kind of up there. I'd say one of the more uh, darker, more disturbing scenes. Yeah, I did a little bit of searching, James. Dream research again. Uh, well, this is called uh, fantasy sequence, which, you know, quite commonly you'd see in Scrubs. I thought it was quite strange it was in Cheers, where it sort of segues into what the person's imagining. And Sam's got a dark imagination. <laughs> <laughs> dark imaginings. Yeah, maybe. But he, he imagines he's doing... Um, Death Row. (laughs) Death Row, yeah. Like the Green Mile. And he walks up to the electric chair and then cues back to reality. And he's imagined having killed Diane. Yes, which, I mean, I think the most sinister line in that whole scene is Sam asks the priest about the afterlife. Father, do you really believe in the afterlife? Yes, my son, I do. Oh, good. Maybe I can find her there, get her again. It's really dark. I, I got to admit that, like, because, you know, I mentioned obviously Scrubs as a, an example which uses this all the time. In Scrubs, you know when it's an imagination scene because it's so well sort of built into the show. Yeah, and it's also usually more severe, uh, defies possibility yeah. often. And this was like, what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> Because it's like also in, in Scrubs, they're quite quick. And this felt like quite a long sequence. And I was like, has something actually happened? <laughs> but I can I can imagine uh, if you were watching this for the first time, pretty shocked. I didn't know the season of Cheers only had 13 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Turned into like an American version of Porridge at the end. It was a really weird kind of moment, but I really enjoyed it. Following that, Sam reveals to Diane that he, he had a fantasy sequence where he was on death row for killing diane and diane goes oh well that's that's <laughs> silly and sam goes oh well and she goes boston doesn't have the death penalty <laughs> to be honest i thought this was the end of the episode i wasn't watching the clock and this felt like an ending do you know what i mean because sam kind of went what and it felt like that kind of joke at the end of the episode where they run off screen fade to black and cheers theme kicks in because they both run off screen it has that kind of end joke that wraps it up and then i realized there were 10 minutes left in so a lot's packed in that first point, but the next scene is where the payoff comes really from... Your boy Tom Yeah, comes in with law books and he goes, guys, 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 you won't believe what Sam <laughs> may or may not have done. As his lawyer, I can't legally say what he... <laughs> but he reveals Sam is in prison. The fantasy became reality, kind of. Yeah, not on death row. He's just been arrested. And we find out it's for assault and battery, to which Carla says, my hero, which I thought was a bit... <laughs> All right, Carla. But yeah, so all the pieces are connecting for this. And then we find ourselves in a courtroom, James. You know what I would have liked to see in this courtroom, which sadly we didn't? Dancing lobsters? No. Where'd you get that from? I was going to say Judge Harry Stone. I think that would have been like a nice little uh, side bit if after the trial, they're walking through like the corridor and they see Harry dressed as a judge and they do like a double take. (laughs) That would have been a nice little nod. But sadly, we don't get that. But we do get a courtroom full of special guests. And I guess this might be a good moment to do a rundown of the episode. Who's on the uh, jury? I guess. Yeah. And I think we might have some bar regulars who were there at the beginning as well. Let's talk about the judge first, Tom Troop. 
as Judge William E. Gray. He also appeared in Rawhide, Star Trek, the original series, Kelly's Heroes, Ironside, Chips, Archie Bunker's Place, Murder, She Wrote, Who's the Boss, ER, and many others. And he gets some zingers in in this episode, <laughs> let me tell you. Tom Babson as Thomas Babson, now lawyer. Glenn Vernon as priest in that fantasy sequence. He had his film debut in 1944 with Days of Glory and has also appeared in The Wild Blue Yonder, The Stars Are Singing, Breakfast Activities, Dr. Kildare, Lassie, Days of Our Lives, Perry Mason, Columbo, Ironside, Hunter, Doogie Howser, MD, L.A. Law, The Ben Stiller Show, So I Married an Axe Murderer, and many others. That's quite a repertoire. Michael Keyes Hall as assistant DA. He also appeared in General Hospital, Dynasty, The A-Team Hunter, Spontaneous Combustion, <laughs> LA Law, Days of Our Lives, Melrose Place, Matlock, and many others. Never seen Spontaneous Combustion, but I thought, what a title. I might add that to my list to watch. Hugh McGuire as Hugh. He also appeared in Nuts Landing, Growing Pains, Dallas Wings, LA Law, Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, Doctor Sleep, and many others. Pete Schreiner is Pete. He also appeared in The Man Who Wasn't There, A Gnome Named Norm, and Columbo, among many others. <laughs> Mark Arnott as Mark. He also appeared on Hill Street Blues, Hunter Moonlighting, 21 Jump Street, Dear John, Columbo, Coach, Hot Shots, LA Law, French Prince of Bel-Air, Murder, She Wrote, Melrose Place, 24, and many others. There's a lot of people in this episode. This is four. We haven't had a lineup like this for a while. Patrick DeSantis as Joe. He also appeared in Night Court, Matlock, LA Law, Nowhere Man, Red Dead Redemption, and many others. Jack Ritchell as Warden. He also appeared in Hotel, Murphy Brown, LA Law, Mad About You, among others. Lance E. Nichols as Bailiff. He also appeared in Murder, She Wrote, Matlock, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Third Rock from the Sun, Diagnosis Murder, Everybody Loves Raymond, Mad About You, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, The West Wing, Desperate Housewives, ER, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, Green Lantern, Trem, House of Cards, Into the Badlands, and many others. Mark Rodney also plays a bailiff, but is uncredited. He was a child actor in shows such as Dennis the Menace and The Andy Griffith Show. He is also the son of jazz trumpeter Red Rodney. As of 2004, Mark is a jazz musician in Las Vegas. Al Rosen is uncredited as Al. He was waiting for the next court. Just there going, I swear I didn't do it. What can we say about this courtroom? You said that the, the judge gets quite a few good one-liners in, and I'd agree with that. But I say Tom was... Uh, I went all Southern then. I say... <laughs> I, I, I say... I, I tell you. <laughs> I say Tom has a good few lines as well. I'm going into my jury persona. <laughs> I'm just a small town lawyer. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like I feel like Tom should have done that. To be honest, that would have been pretty good. Suspenders and everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, how does this court kick off? I'm trying to remember what line starts at all. Sam comes in going, "Your Honor, I didn't do it," which is never a good way to start. <laughs> yeah, he comes right up to the stand and basically tries to talk one on one with the judge, which doesn't go well. Then Diane walks in with a cane and a neck brace, and it's like, "Ooh, someone did a number on Diane." Yeah, neck brace, cane, going very much for a sympathy kind of vote. And this is where the, the Chambers versus Malone comes into full swing. The trial goes, I mean, fairly smoothly, really. Fairly, yeah. Essentially, one of the bailiffs uh, stands up and says, we think you should set a high bail because Sam is kind of dangerous. And the judge kind of seems fairly satisfied with that until Tom says... Basically, Sam's a pillar of the community uh, and hasn't had any prior criminal record. So 
thinks that they should have bail lower, basically, and they decide for it to go to trial. And then they go, whoa, hang on, we can uh, fix this, because they realize through an explanation of Diane, which gives off one of the zingers from the judge, where Diane goes, I have a long version and a short version. And (laughs) the judge says, for the benefit of the U.S., taxpayer please say the short version of which she gives a long-winded thing and he goes i dread the long version but there is like there's some quite nice one-liners tom said something out of line and the judge quips that's my line oh, it's my first day <laughs> and there's elements like that which really bring life to the scene going back and forth it's probably a staple in lots of sitcoms to have the courtroom episode yes i think cheers plays it up to a a farcical extent. Mm. We've mentioned before how some episodes lean to farce, some lean to heart. I think this may be too farcical. They were just a f- couple of steps short of banana skins, weren't they? Well, yeah, and it feels unplausible. Implausible. Unplausible, James. <laughs> words? Where we're going, we don't need words. <laughs> In the sense that you mentioned Diane does her very long spiel, and the judge can see that Sam no longer has any, uh, really poses no threat and didn't actually do anything to her. She just fell whilst he was chasing her. The thing that I found too farcical was this idea that Tom in his expert lawyering just past the bar goes, would my client get off scot-free if he proposed now? And that kind of was like, no. What? (laughs) Sam's kind of like, what are you doing? She's going to say no again. And uh, Dan says, oh, I might say yes. And the judge goes, I'm going to accept this. And I'm like, whoa. I'll allow it. That felt like it was kind of one step too far, maybe. I think for the purposes of plot, it worked, but it was evident it was for the purposes of plot. Yeah. And also, I think the judge kind of just went, fine, just get out of my sight. <laughs> I, don't, I never want to see you again. We mentioned that this episode is a little bit divisive. I think one of the elements is that kind of moment where it does kind of go beyond the realms of what people would believe to actually happen in this forced courtroom proposal. Yeah. And I think, as we've stated often the sam diane relationship after four and a half seasons is is being stretched kind of gossamer thin Mm. at this point it was a very convenient way to move that on i think i've seen quite a few places which regard it as the point where the sam and diane relationship jumped the shark where it goes beyond the realms of reality and can't really recover from it but i've also seen a few places have regarded this as one of the worst episodes i can understand why but for the reasons stated in that it was very convenient and perhaps contrived, mm. uh, does narrow it down. However, there are some great parts in it as well. I think it was just the ending, which, as opposed to that general unease that mm. we felt throughout the last third of maybe Sam <laughs> did assault Diane. I found an article which referenced this episode, and it did class it as one of the worst ones. But the, the name of the article was How Fraser Crane Destroyed Cheers. Don't agree with that. But they do make some points, which I think kind of a little bit true. And I've mentioned that this episode in particular feels like it kind of is one of those moments where it's kind of a turning point of the sort of realism of the Diane and Sam relationship. The writer of this article sort of says the will they won't they by this point had turned into they already did will they again. And it says that it suffers for the writing of Diane, which now backtracks on a lot of stuff and changes the character quite drastically. And it says that the, the this episode suffers for that because of it. Basically what happens in this episode is Sam gets taken to court for assault and then gets forced to propose to her, which isn't really in the spirit of Diane's character. No. And I think the, the some of these scripts may have sort of been a bit tiring on the characters really and the actors who played them because it does sort of write their characters into a whole, especially for Diane's character. 
And I think that's certainly true of season five with Diane, where she's become very one-dimensional in comparison to earlier things. She's become very desperate. Yeah, I think there's definitely been a lot of growth in Diane's character. And especially if you consider like her first episode was Give Me a Ring Sometime, where she was kind of waiting for an engagement ring. And she grew a lot out of that character. But now it seems to be reversing a lot more into that in a more contrived way where she's desperate for a proposal. I mean, we've criticised this episode a lot. David Angel has written a lot of good episodes of a lot of good shows. It's just because of reasons in the overall arc of Cheers, this episode doesn't quite work because, as you say, it's that very much a jumping the shark moment, which would have been difficult for anyone halfway through the season to make something work. It's definitely surfacing the bigger picture. And I think they kind of wanted to get to this proposal point by probably mid-season, which is where they've, they've got to it. So it had to happen in one episode. I suppose after all of the sort of drama around it, they had to do it in a big way. And uh, cheers, the, especially this season, there have been those fast call episodes. And it's been leaning more into fast each episode, really. So it kind of makes sense. And there's been a progression to it, but it is a bit jarring. And the episode ends with Sam proposing, Diane saying, yes, everyone leaves. And Diane goes, I don't have to hold you to that, Sam. You did it under duress while taking off her neck face and cane. I'll add. <laughs> Sam goes, hey, now, I proposed and you said yes. Do you mean it, Sam? <laughs> yes, Diane. <laughs> <laughs> that's how the episode ends. I do think it was a divisive ending. That's, that's where we started this. Overall, I enjoyed the episode, but I can see why those criticisms are there. And I can see why some of those conversations have still been had about maybe this was the turning point for the show at that point in time. I know there's a lot more to come. Definitely feels like a mid-season episode. Mm. Do you want to kick it off with a question? Yes. According to Cliff, how many times has Tom sit the bar exam? I think it's 11. It is 11. Woody uh, wishes Diane luck. She says they don't need luck. And then Woody suggests what he could get as a wedding present. What does he suggest? I want to say like a gravy boat or something. He says a salad bowl. And then he says, she says that would be nice. And he says, great, you've saved me some time shopping. (laughs) (laughs) That's the last call at the bar, James. Did you enjoy the time in court? I, I did enjoy this episode. I think it certainly had its faults, but I think its faults were something which were more representative of where the Sam and Diane story were as a whole. Mm. What I'm looking forward to is uh, seeing where this, now that this has kind of been a definitive, they are now engaged, seeing where they'll move forward to, because I think it's something which has been a long time coming. So I'm glad that they'll be able to move forward with it and see where the characters and plot go from there. I agree. We've had our say on this episode, but the jury's not out yet. And if you'd like to join in on this discussion, why not join our Patreon where we'll be able to have a chat about it and see what you think of the Sam and Diane relationship or future episodes as well. That's over on our Patreon. We've got lots of different tiers up there, but one of them is having a chat with myself and James over a beer. So why not get in on the conversation? Exciting, I think. But until then, James, what should we be drinking to toast off this episode? I think Tom is who we should toast. Carla kicked off this episode with a double martini, so why don't we have two of them, James, and we'll do a toast to Tom for passing his bar. So here's to Tom. Thank you for listening to this episode of Where Nobody Knows Your Name. This has been a Cheers podcast. Cheers.